and welcome. This is Social Studies, Voices from Across America. I'm Bill Wood. And I'm Peter Goldsmith. We've just finished a three-part look at reassembling a broken America. So today, we're going to take a natural turn to look at the building student movement after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas school shooting in Parkland, Florida last month. 50 years after the student protest in the 1960s, are we seeing a return to young people taking to the streets to protest things that affect their lives directly? That's exactly right. It is 50 years after those protests in 1968 and a school walkout in your town, Los Angeles, California. Uh, but one of the things that I, I'd like to talk about today is we don't live in an isolated country anymore. You know, I think it was Buckminster Fuller who called it, uh, you know, spaceship Earth. We're all on the spa- same spaceship. And there have been youth movements all across the world lately. And we are not alone. Our young people are not alone. So I want to talk about that a little bit today as we move further on into it. But I know that you and I spoke earlier about talking about what really occurred here in the 1960s. Before we get to that, there was something that fit so perfectly. I was stunned when I saw it, Peter. Let's hear from some student organizers, actual survivors of the Parkland, Florida shooting on February 14th, Valentine's Day of all times. Cameron Kasky and David Hogue were on the Bill Maher show on HBO March 2nd. Here's a comment from Kasky about a planned nationwide student march on Saturday, March 24th. With the march, we want Americans to stop being afraid of demanding our politicians to take action. They work for us. We don't work for them. And the march is us... The, mar- the march is us coming out and saying to our employees, you guys suck at your job. Right. <laughs> and with, with the march, we want everyone to come out, bring their parents, bring their kids. Everybody in the nation is either a child or a former child. And that's what we want to do is say, this isn't about red and blue. This is about protecting the kids. I love that line everybody's either a child or a former child. And that that's directly what we're talking about. So 50 years later, our grandchildren, and not uh, Cameron and Donald, but David, but our grandchildren uh, that make the great case, they're back at student marches, aren't they, Peter? To me, that sounds like a good thing. One of the things that I remember as a, as a young man in the 60s uh, in marches and protests and sit-ins and all the things we did in those days to help stop, and I believe, and you and I have discussed this, that it was certainly our generation that stopped the Vietnam War. Absolutely. But one of the things I remember very distinctly was seeing at a big protest march in Grand Central Station in New York City, Dr. Benjamin Spock, who, for people who don't remember Dr. Spock, he was a noted pediatrician and wrote the first real books on child raising and child care and so forth. But I remember thinking in those days, wow, This is not only about young people. This is young people taking the lead, making their voices heard and being backed up by what we call at those times adults, uh, people much older than we were. And I think that's what drives a movement. And I think the same thing is driving this movement today, specifically on gun control, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. But uh, I think these young folks are really leading the way and showing the rest of us, especially the uh, our, our Congress and our lawmakers, if you guys can't get it together, we sure will. 
Cameron Caskey makes a great case for the expertise of many students. They talk about these students who are being naive and unaware, but they have an expertise that because they've experienced gunfire firsthand, especially Caskey and Hogan in these sound bites. They live with the terror daily. A lot of people a lot of people are trying to take us down quickly. They're trying to discredit us. They're trying to say we don't know what we're talking about. You know, you could say that we don't know what we're talking about because we're 17 years old, but until you've been on the receiving end of an AR15, until you've been locked into your club. Look, Wayne LaPierre, Dana Loesch. Right. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever had to deal with that, but as far as I know, that's not the case. We've been locked in a classroom. We have seen our friends text their parents goodbye. We are the experts. We know exactly what we're talking about. How dare you? That's, you can't get a more compelling argument than that to say, look, I saw my parents, maybe even I did it. I texted my mom and dad to say goodbye because I thought I was done. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. And you know what? We've got to stop having these antiquated notions that wisdom only comes after the age of 21 or 30 or 50 or whatever you may be. There are intelligent people in this world who are 14, 15, 16 years old, 18, 20, whatever the age may be. And they do have experience and they do have knowledge and their voices should be heard. And these are the people now who are leading the charge. And I want to make just one comment, what what we heard just now. It's not about red and blue. This is not about Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals and all these things. This is about common sense for the good of this country. This is about, in the gun control issue, for crying out loud, can you idiots in the government not figure out a better way to do things? Can you look sideways at once or even twice a week, a stabbing or a shooting in a public high school? Can you look sideways at what's going on with youth today, how people are overlooking them because they're children or whatever they may call them? This is ridiculous. This has to stop right away. It's the future that these people are guarding because it's their future. This final piece of sound from these two teenagers talks about that exactly. They're organizing a nationwide march for Saturday, March the 24th. They're trying to make it clear that this isn't a political statement, but a statement of safety, sort of an SOS of sorts for children in the nation's schools. This isn't about us. This isn't about Democrats or Republicans. This is about Americans and those 17 individuals that lost their lives that day. That's what this really should be about. We're we're not targeting people's guns. Uh, my father was a, my father's a police officer. His father's former FBI. We have guns in our houses. We're not trying to tear apart the Second Amendment. We are just kids begging for our lives, getting murdered in our classroom. It would be folly to think of these students and these student protests as political marches for one side or the other. I mean, for what they just said, they have guns at home. They use guns. Guns are a part of their life. But this is something we need to have some sort of gun safety. We don't want to present this issue that we're talking about in this podcast as an anti-gun discussion. This is about the mobilization of another demographic in the electoral landscape, students 18 years and older. They changed America's landscape in 1968 with the anti-Vietnam protest. Can they do it again in 2018 with the gun rights marches? I'm glad that we're talking about this because I am a gun owner and I'm proud to be a gun owner. 
and uh, I don't want to take anyone's guns away from them. However, uh, nobody needs a magazine clip with 100 rounds in it. That's just absolutely absurd. You're not hunting, you know, deer by, by the hundred, you know. So let, let's talk about what's real here and let's get away from all this fallacy. Oh, I need this for home protection. My friend, if you need 100 bullets for home protection, you're in the wrong home or you're in the wrong neighborhood. So get up and move. Uh, let's be honest about what's going on here. Children of any age below 21 are taking over our society, and that's a wonderful and good thing. It's not to the exclusion of everyone else, but it's an infusion of new, young, creative, brilliant ideas. You know, we all look at uh, young people who are a year older in college and say, oh, what a bright woman she is, what a bright fellow he is. He goes to MIT, he goes to Stanford, he goes to Yale or Harvard. You know, what happens the year before? Did they automatically become brilliant when they got their acceptance to MIT? Or were they bright kids all the way along? Do they have the right to make their voices felt? Of course they do. They're going to start voting very soon. Many of them do vote right now. And another thing I want to talk about beside this is this isolationism that we feel. You know, we, we, we feel, as we should, that we are the greatest nation in the world, and we are, in my opinion. However, we do not live in a void. This student protest stuff has been going on for years and years. And, you know, if you look at Africa, and I've been, I've been reading uh, a lot about Africa lately, and in the last six years, young people have already changed the face of government in Egypt, Tunisia, and Senegal. Okay, so this is happening around the world, whether you like it or not. And it's a growing movement which is occurring. And I just I took a little clip out. I think I got this from Brookings Institute. The growing upsurge of youth protests all over the world crystallized in the word enough. It needs to be understood in the context of this generation's struggle for political, social and economic emancipation. Young people are angry and they are on the march throughout the world. And I think that's something for us to really understand that this is going on and we are a part of a greater whole. And, and for me, that's pretty wonderful. I think that's great. Let's ask a different question here. We've talked about this before, Peter, you and I. Uh, let's ask this question. Do you think that uh, we're talking to a demo of 60 plus you think our grandchildren maybe look at us where they uh, ignored their parents uh, and our grandchildren are saying, maybe we want to step up like you did, Pops, and uh, maybe make a change like you did in Vietnam. You think that's going on now? I think it's absolutely going on, and I think it's been going on for a while. Let me recount to you, Bill, just some movements in our own country in the last few years, which we often forget. Occupy Wall Street, led by young people. Well, it didn't really have a specific thing. It didn't wasn't focused. Bologna wasn't focused. It brought to mind what's going on and the horrible inadequacies that we sometimes see. Uh, number two, Black Lives Matter. Well, all lives matter. Well, no. 
We're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about the assassination of many young black men. We all know which we're talking about. We're not going to get into it right now. But we have those things going on. And internationally, we forget that in December of 2010, we had the beginnings of what we later call the Arab Spring. Okay? All those protest marches, all those uh, movements were young people were people who said, I want the world back. I'm tired of having uh, a ruling body of old, and I hate to say this, white men, because that's what we do really have. And I think this is going on, and I think it's growing stronger, and I think it's going to lead to some very positive things, at least I hope so, and you and I both have grandchildren. Uh, and I'm happy to see, not, not yet, my granddaughter's only five, and my grandson is three, but... Uh, you know, happy to see them align themselves with a positive, socially positive movement. Yes. And let me add, my granddaughter's only 10, but, you know, still that time is coming and she stands up to her mother and to me sometimes. So (laughs) (laughs) she's probably got some of this built into her life also. Let's look back in case there's somebody in the audience listening to this who doesn't remember some of the things that triggered is more than 50 years ago, but there were touchstones. There were like the shooting at the, in Parkland, Florida. Maybe this will be the domino that starts the things falling. There were a number of dominoes back in the 60s with the anti-draft movement. Uh, in 1962, President Kennedy accelerated the peacetime draft. He accelerated uh, American involvement in Vietnam. In 64, Johnson ramped up the draft as the war effort grew. In 65, Johnson doubled draft needs from 17,000 a month to 35,000 a month. And as this was going on, more and more people of draft age and their parents and girlfriends stepped up and said, hey, we, I don't believe in this and I don't want to just be cannon fodder. I've spent a lot of time getting my life ready and I don't want to be cannon fodder in some jungle uh, 10,000 miles away. Vietnam was a very polarizing uh, time in this country. And I think what it did was it it gave a notion to that my country, right or wrong, was no more valid. It was my country. I want to do it right for and with my country. And that's the important thing. I think also that we all already learned after that war that the government didn't always tell us the truth, that there were ulterior motives going on. And now we see those, you know, it leads us to think about whistleblowers and it leads us to think about really how important it is that we keep the freedoms in this country that men and women have died for. And the fact that dissent is one of those freedoms. It's not a bad thing to dissent. It's not a bad thing to go against what the government says. As long as you are a full participant, you and I have joked about this. We both told our children If you don't vote, keep your mouth shut. But if you're involved in the process, if you write letters, if you petition your lawmakers, if you uh, vote all the time, if you do all the things you can do, then you certainly have a right to protest. And I think these young people today, getting back to what we started with, are really feeling those same things. They are involved. They do want to be involved. We spoke last time about, I believe there are nine candidates running for governor Uh, in the state of Kansas, where you don't have to have a residency and you don't have an age requirement. Wouldn't it be interesting 
just wouldn't it, if an 18 or 17-year-old man or woman won that election? What would that say to the rest of the country? I mean, imagine in, uh, what, 1990, if somebody would have said Jesse Ventura, the wrestler, (laughs) was going to be elected governor of a major state like Minnesota. I mean, it's not impossible for, you know, crazy things like this to happen. Let's look back, continue to look back in 1968, and maybe this, we want to, I'm going to draw the parallel uh, between uh, what was happening in Vietnam and the thing that sort of tipped the scales, started the ball rolling down downhill, push the dominoes over, whatever you want to say. And 68 was a Democratic convention in Chicago where the anti-war movement took on a riot by the Chicago police and ended up with the chant that nobody's forgotten, the whole world is watching. And then you, uh, you brought up, Peter, the picture of the assassination in the street in Saigon. That was in February of 1968 where the I think everyone has seen it the uh, the uh, general putting a gun to the head of a Viet Cong guerrilla who was uh, captured and you could even see the bullet coming out of the other side of his head it was a thing that peop- it bought war into the houses of many people and decided that this is what it's about and I don't want my name associated with that as an American citizen. And the other photograph that that we we talk about, uh, I believe was taken in 1972 and it's basically a, a bombing and it's bombing with napalm and a young girl running naked down the road. Now, if that doesn't tell you everything that you need to know about what's going on when people don't pay attention, and if you call that collateral damage or calamity of war, well, you got a problem. Something's wrong with you. These are the things that bring this home the way this last shooting should bring it home to you. The fact that we don't have a consensus on gun control, the fact that some people are debating whether a person with mental illness should have a gun. The fact that students are dying, that you send your child to school and your child doesn't come home because someone shot him, you know, this is, I don't don't even know what to say about it. It's just unconscionable that we allow this stuff to go on, that we can't put firmer laws in order, that we can't have federal laws against this stuff, that you just can't go in in certain states and buy a gun and wait a day and then get the gun and all the shells you want. We can't. That we have to take more responsibility for this stuff. Obviously, we haven't done it. And hopefully, and this is an important thing for me anyway, that the movement of these young people continues to go on and progress and it doesn't die out, that it maintains its steam and its vigor and its commitment, because this is going to lead the rest of us where we need to go. And I hope that this March, uh, on, on March 9th, uh, March 24th, we'll have everyone coming out, we'll have everyone aware of what's happening, and we'll serve as a message to our lawmakers that, hey, get off the stick, let's get something done here. And again, I don't want this to become uh, an anti-gun thing, but there needs to be some sight given to uh, the NRA and to Congress. Uh, they have the NRA has managed to buy its way out of responsibility. They've managed to get a law passed that the uh, the, the effects of gun violence 
can't be studied by the government, and they've even figured that figured it out that they can't be sued like the government and uh, whistleblowers went after the cigarette companies, the anti-tobacco companies. The NRA has put itself in a position where nobody could come after it or the gun industry for the things that they've done. So uh, the the government that we we've talked about how it doesn't represent our interests anymore. They've managed to uh, be bought and put the country, the entire country, to be held hostage by, you know, some people. There's maybe five million people that are card-carrying members of the NRA. Let's say there's even more who are gun owners who are not part of the NRA. Uh, let's let's triple that. Let's say it's 15. Let's say it's 30 million people. Uh, I don't know what those numbers are, and maybe I should know, but let's say it's 30 million people. That's only 10% of the population. So we can't say that um, the government has been truthful with us. Certainly Congress hasn't, and uh, we need to do something about it. And maybe the shooting in Parkland, Florida uh, on February 14th, maybe this is the thing that'll get the ball rolling for these students. Maybe this March 24th uh, March, maybe that's the thing that will tip the scales into uh, finally the government saying, look, we've got to do something. It worked in Vietnam. Maybe it can work again 50 years later. And I also think, Bill, and we're talking a lot about gun control because it's it, it's right in front of our faces right now. But one of the things is gun control is only a small symptom of what's going on in the rest of the country. You know, as, as we mentioned in our last podcast, the country, those that rule this country are not open to listening to what the people are asking for. There's a great percentage. I don't think anyone within their right mind is against gun control of some sort. Again, I said to you before, I am a gun owner and I'm proud to be a gun owner. I have no problem with that at all. But I also think not listening to what's going on with sexual harassment suits that continue to go with with uh, wanting to get immigrants out of the country. Like I said, unless you're a Native American, you're an immigrant with with uh, gender gap payments and, and salaries and things of this nature with all of this stuff. Somebody's got to wake up and listen. We all want a better country. We all deserve a better country. We all need to work hard to get a better country. But we've got to stop politicizing everything. And you're this and he's a that and I'm a this. It doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't work. People need to come together and find solutions. You need to compromise. Compromise is not an easy thing to do when you think that you're right and nobody else can possibly be right. Well, I got news for you. You're partially right and he's partially right and they're partially right. So we've got to come up with this. And again, I go back to it. I'm delighted to see young people who will take over for us. You and I are two old fellows sitting around, you know, BSing. But the truth of the matter is it's their world right now, Bill. And I want them to inherit that world. And I also want them to aggressively take hold of that world and make it better for all of us. That's the key here. That's what we're talking about, to get a responsive government, somebody who listens to what we're saying and what we're asking for. 
and we ignore them at our peril. This is a generation that is completely comfortable with the idea that they're not alone. They talk to people all over the world. They talk to people uh, who are like-minded, and they they have the ability to listen. We're old enough that we can get siloed in our thinking, and many of the kids are not siloed in the thinking. And just like we heard at the beginning from one of the students, that we're not talking about red or blue. We're not talking about Democrats or Republicans. We're talking about how do we listen to us, and uh, we're not just crazy people uh, talking out here in the wilderness We are real people who have an experience uh, with guns, with gun violence, and other experiences that that they have to deal with on a daily basis out there in the streets where they are. They're not sitting in front of the TV at home watching Walter Cronkite at 6 o'clock. They're out there thinking on their own, reasoning on their own, and if we ignore them at our peril... Yeah, also, I don't think you're going to be able to ignore them any longer. Another statistic from the Brookings Institute, uh, 2016 in the vote, the young people under the age of 30 tripled the number that voted in 2008. So the, the engagement is now climbing all the time. We're about to see a midterm election come up in about the next six months, I believe, is coming November, and we'll see what happens there. But people are already out there protesting and demanding from the candidates to vote their way. Whether it's left or right, as we said before, people are out there demanding. It feels good to me to know that people are in the streets, that people care enough, that they're putting their livelihood sometimes, and and even worse, perhaps, their lives at stake saying and protesting what they really believe. And I think that's a wonderful thing for this country. I think the more engagement we have from the more people, the better this country is in the long run. So as we come to the conclusion here, again, this wasn't designed to be a anti-gun harangue. And it wasn't, we can do that much later and at a much more pointed uh, issue about the NRA, about Congress, about guns, whatever. This was about young people who are marshalling their efforts to uh, have their voices heard and to protest. Uh, It's something that we saw 50 years ago, perhaps you and I, I know I was, we were involved in the protest in 1968 on the college campuses and in the streets where people wanted to be heard and have their voices heard and not be ignored. And I think that's where the kids are now is that they want to be heard. They don't want to be ignored. The issue that instead of Vietnam, the issue this time is gun rights and gun uncontrol of some sort. But the most important thing that we want to bring up today is that our young people are being heard. And that's what we want to make it clear that this is not an anti-gun thing, but a a pro young people thing for them to get out and vote. I will join you on March the 24th because I will be in your fair city of Los Angeles. So I will I will march proudly with you uh, behind the bastions of young people who will lead the way. And I'll be honored to, to do that. So that's it for today. I look at the young people who are marshalling themselves together 
have their voices heard to get the attention of a deaf Congress and political leaders at the state level, uh, but they want to be heard, and I think they should be. So until the next time, take care of each other, respect each other. Peace.